You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What's going on, everybody? We're back. It's the Sooners Illustrated Podcast, episode 25 on this Monday, October 9th. 2023 it was quite the weekend in dallas texas we were all there we're gonna break it all down we're gonna talk all about it josh calloway tom green james d jackson gentlemen your first red river rivalry shootout showdown whatever weekend was an all-timer how are we feeling first time for you guys down there just kind of walk me through the emotions of the weekend it was uh cool it was quite quite a weekend what what an incredible what an incredible game by the way, I All mean, time. just outstanding. I mean, that that shows you how, you know, fun this rivalry is. I know some people think the other rivalries are up, you know, a little bit ahead of it. I'm not I, I just can't see it, man. I just can't see it. OU Texas is the the best rivalry that I've been to. I mean, it's that's that was spectacular. That was spectacular. I saw Tom. I sat right next to him during the press box. He had to rewrite his, his lead two or three times as that game was unfolding, man. Just everything just kept changing. I mean, always got a great way. What a great, what a great win, man! It was a decent game. <laughs> Not bad. No, no, it, it was a. Uh, and I, I mentioned this to you guys after the game in the press box, but just like in terms of crazy, wild, kind of has it all. Uh, not just rivalry games, but games that I've covered in my career. You know, this is either you know one B or two. Like it's right there with the 2019 Iron Bowl, which. If you guys don't remember that game or didn't see it, it was the highest scoring Iron Bowl in series history. Had two pick sixes, including one that went for 100 yards. Um, Jalen Waddle scored like four four different touchdowns, including mm-hmm. a kick return. Um, had a missed field goal late in the game, and then Alabama losing on a substitution penalty because they thought Auburn was going to do a fake punt because its punter was lined up at receiver, and it was it was just all sorts of wacky, crazy nuts. And on, and on top of that, you have because it was a game at Auburn, the fans stormed the field after winning that game. So that that game is kind of like seared in my mind as like one of the craziest that I've ever seen. But this game had it all too, man. I mean, just the first six minutes of this game were completely off the rails. Yeah, it was. And then it, it got the games worth of things. Yeah, like you said, yeah. for six minutes. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it, it lived up to the hype. Um, I'll, I'll say it's it's definitely a unique rivalry, just like the setting you know, being in the middle of the state fair, like you don't have traditional tailgating. Like at a lot of these other rivalries, you just have people kind of going to the fair, getting drinks, eating fried food, going on rides three hours before kickoff. And then, you know, walking into the stadium and just having that split down the middle. Um, I mean, you got, you guys told me it's, it's very unique, uh, especially just when you have momentum swings in that game, because you have one side just dead silent. The other side's going crazy. Yeah. We Mm. saw that times just in the last you know minute and a half you know, that <laughs> yeah. texas kicks that go-ahead field goal the south side is just an unnerving silence 
Yeah. And, no, and minute later, Dylan Gabriel yeah. delivers a drive for the ages, and it's just mayhem. Um, I mean, that's yeah, it. It did not disappoint. Um, I, I I was blown away by that experience. That's why the rivalry is so you know you know up there in, in my rankings, just because you just never know what's going to happen. It doesn't even matter like what each team is ranked or what their records are beforehand. Just the hatred that each team has for each other and wanting to to show out in front of their their fans and the other the opposing team's fans at the same time. I mean, it's just spectacular. You get the best performances most of the time from those teams, and it's just like yeah. the craziest things happen. We had we had fake punts, we had punt blocks. I mean, there was there was interceptions, there was fumbles, there was everything you could ask for. Goal on stands. I mean, it seemed like every play that could be made in football was made in that game, but outside of a safety. I mean, it's it was just everything you want to see is what what you saw. Now it's just an amazing yeah. experience. I mean, as a journalist, I'm sure it's even more crazy as a fan, but as a journalist, it was it was outstanding. And I got a corn club. You did. We, we all got one. James uh, got one too. James got his first. <laughs> yeah, they they, uh, they 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 me into it, man. I had to go ahead and try it. <laughs> It's one of a kind. It's one of a kind. It delivers more often than not. Um, most years, it's like that. You know, it's crazy compared mm-hmm. to just the last, not last year, obviously, extenuating circumstances, but 2021 was insane like that. 2020 was insane like that. 2019 had twists and turns. I mean, it's 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 a competitive, wild, massive emotion swings game almost every year. Um, and it's great. It's the best. We'll say. Right, so we're going to get into the breakdown of this game. A lot to digest, a lot to talk about, a lot of angles and things to break down with it. Uh, we'll apologize right off the top. We all had Texas. We took uh, some heat for it um, on uh, our our VIP subscribers. I was wrong, Tom, uh, his sign. We, uh, you know, the game played out pretty much like a lot. we kind of thought it would for 59 minutes. <laughs> but Dylan Gabriel decided mm-hmm. he had the right kids. And... Uh, <laughs> Unbelievable performance. We're going to talk about all of it. But, yeah, we all had Texas winning a close one. And, you know, you got to give all the credit in the world, Oklahoma. We all take our collective L's on that. Colin, too. Uh, we, uh, But we did have, not Colin, but the three of us had OU covering the spread. So we're still undefeated against the spread. At least James and I. Tom had the SMU game. But we won the pick against the spread. So we'll take that, I guess. But, um, man, what a game. What a I game. Mean, a lot to talk about. A lot to digest. As you said, it came down to Dylan Gabriel pretty much just having his Heisman like drive Heisman moment, whatever you want to call it. That's what it was. I mean, it was yeah. 30 to 27 and my pick was 31, 28 with Texas, you know, coming out, coming away as a victor. And I said that, Oh, you would beat them in the big 12 championship. If it got to that, you know, later on in the year, um, with Dylan Gabriel having that drive changed everything. I mean, I thought the way I thought, because I thought, Oh, you just second year in their system. They're going to get better as the year goes on. They're going to just be just a little bit behind at, at Texas as they get to this point. And, I mean, they showed us, man. They showed us. I mean, the OU led for a majority of this game, if not led, but had control of this game for a majority of the time, keeping Ewers off, off balance, you know, stopping everything that Texas was doing. And tech, uh, OU really could have won this game by two or three scores if they, you know, just executed on a few plays here and there. You know, the, the Tawi Walker drop is one play that comes to mind off the top of my head. But, I mean, that, that just shows you what it was. I mean, OU was ahead of schedule from even what we thought, and we've been covering this team, and it's it's just incredible what they pulled pulled together. Yeah, going in, I, I thought that Texas's ability to run the ball was going to be the difference in this game, just because what OU showed us through the first five games of the season. Um, and Jonathan Brooks still had a a, a great game running the ball, 125 mm-hmm. yards and a touchdown on 24 carries. I mean, he got his, um, but I don't think any of us could have imagined that Dylan Gabriel would have a hundred yard rushing game like he did. I mean, that was right. a, 
we, we've seen him make plays with his legs, and we've talked about it and how that's been able to supplement the run game. But 114 yards and a touchdown on, you know, however many carries, 10, 11 carries, whatever it was. I mean, it's none of us expected that. And man, D- Dylan Gabriel deserves all the credit in the world because he, he, he put his mark on this rivalry. Like we said, he had the opportunity to, he, he delivered in the biggest moments for Oklahoma. Now he has his signature moment in Oklahoma uniform. He has his chapter in the red rivalry, red river rivalry books. He has his Heisman moment. You know, if, if Oklahoma can stay on track this season, he's going to be in that discussion. And this is going to be the game that everybody points to. Yeah. The stat Yo, runs like- we talked about the stat on Thursday show, whoever runs for more yards wins the game. Yeah. And- that was a big concern going in because Oklahoma hasn't ran the ball. And the stat rung true again. Oklahoma ran for more yards this game because of Dylan Gabriel. Obviously, the run game was relatively pedestrian as far as the running backs go. Tommy Walker had some nice moments. Um, but overall, it was kind of just about like it's been. But Dylan Gabriel was the X factor that you couldn't foresee. Um, him running for you know over 100 yards. First guy in OU Texas history from OU side, throw for 250 and run for 100. Wild that he's the first guy to ever do that. You would think at the very least Kyler Murray or Jalen Hurts probably would have done that. I had to go fact check it. Not that I thought OU would be wrong on that stat. I had to look it up because it was so unbelievable. And it, it is right. Um, yeah. Gabriel, first guy to throw for 250 and run for 100. And yeah, to Tom's point, I mean, we, we talked about that going in on Thursday's show as well. This was a legacy game for Dylan Gabriel, the biggest game he's ever played in by a huge majority. You know, you play at UCF, you don't play at anything close to this. You know, in Oklahoma so far, he didn't get to play the OU Texas game last year. This was his moment. This was it. And that was another X factor question mark that at least I had coming in was how will he respond to that? And, you know, obviously you guys have kind of got on me for being hard on, on DG, but he was amazing in this game. This was the best game he's played in OU uniform, given the circumstances, his poise down the stretch, I watched it back this morning, and it just—he was just so locked in and, and calm. And he's that same kind of even keel guy that we always talk to after games and during the week. He—that's what he was in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, he was amazing, and he deserves his flowers for sure. He's definitely in the Heisman conversation now. He has to be because the stats are what they are. But then he also now has the big win and the Heisman moment. That touchdown pass to Nick Anderson. I mean. The guys are on around his waist. He's falling, yeah. and he just flings it right where it needed to be, and right in the four, on the right in the number. You know, it, it's it, it was really incredible to watch him yeah. do his thing. That's an all time moment. He's an OU guy forever now. He went from kind of being a guy that I think in like ten or fifteen years people kind of be like, oh yeah, Dylan Gabriel. To fans will remember him for this game forever. He he's got a place in OU history forever now, and so there's something to be said for that. Unbelievable showing from him. Yeah, I know. Yeah, in the, when we were doing our analysis, it was like. I mean, what's the probability that OU would outrush Texas? What is the, the probability that Dylan Gabriel would have a, you know, a Heisman-like game, I mean, which we thought would have to happen for them to win? We, we all thought this in our analysis, but the the one fact that we forgot to put in there was Sooner Magic. I mean, that's that's pretty much what it was, Josh. I mean, you and I probably should have foresaw this coming, Sooner Magic. I'll give Tom a pass on that. But <laughs> that last drive was Sooner Magic. I mean, just just over a minute left, no timeouts. I mean, they say they've worked on it and everything like that. Maybe it's just preparation, mini opportunity. But to the fans, it looked like Sooner Magic there. It was just like all of a sudden the offense came alive because they hadn't done a lot in that second half. It, after the first drive of the second half, they hadn't they hadn't even scored. And so all of a sudden they were able to come and put it together. That's magical, man. That's that's what it is. And that's 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 the fun part about that game because OU just has that 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 key factor, the X factor they can pull out of their hat whenever they need it. 
and it was sooner magic that happened once again. Now Dylan Gabriel, as I said, if he has a great game, I'm all for the Heisman hype. I'm I'm there. I'm there. I think he's he's up there. At least top four, top five. He's in that conversation. For sure. to get an invite to New York right now, at least. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I do feel a little you know somewhat vindicated because I know you guys have kind of nitpicked his performances in the season, and I know a lot of fans have. Um, they know you guys. I've been I've been fine with DG. I've been nitpicking <laughs> the run game. The run game is what I said. I said that it's too much pressure on DG because the run game hasn't been there. But the run game is still bad. DG is they just been able to overcome it. Yeah, DG's just decided himself he's going to run the ball as well. So that's that's what changed. Now, Josh, you, you can talk to Josh all you want, Tom. Let him have it. <laughs> Hey, Tom and I have always actually been saying the same thing. We should take a little bit of a more glass half full or glass half empty approach to it. We've always said the same thing. It's mm-hmm. just more of a yeah. how you look at it, I guess. Yeah. No, but I'll say it's great in this game. Yeah. Uh, do we do we want to start with that final drive? Sure. Okay. That's what everybody wants to hear, man. Let's you wrote it. about it. I mean, yeah, no, that 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 was a drive for the ages, like we said. I mean, you know, James just pointed out Oklahoma's offense wasn't doing a whole lot. Before that drive, you know, beside, you know, after that, Tawi Walker touchdown to open up the second half. Mm-hmm. Texas scored 13 straight points to take the lead. I mean, they had they had all the momentum going for them. Um, you know, even after that goal line stand that I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit more later, mm-hmm. Texas yep. came back and responded and then took the lead. Minute 17 left. Burt Auburn, who hasn't been great this year, just drills that 46-yard field goal. Oklahoma minute 17 on the clock, no timeouts, need to go 75 yards to either, you know, kick a field goal and force overtime or get the get, get the game-winning touchdown. And, you know, I, I, I wrote about it, but, like, that south side of the stadium was just an unnerving silence. I mean, it was mm-hmm. dread. I mean, they felt like they had that game for the way that team played for so long. But It was teetering on a blowout for a little while. Yeah, mm-hmm. but – you know who was unfazed? Yeah. Dylan Gabriel and that Oklahoma offense. You know, James alluded to it. They worked on that Wednesday in practice, two-minute situation. You know, they said the situation that they they mapped out, minute 15 on the clock, no timeouts, and you need a touchdown. Not too dissimilar from what they found themselves in, in Saturday. Yeah, and, and they just came up and delivered Dylan Gabriel on that drive, 4-4 for 58 yards. And the the touchdown. I mean, obviously Drake Stoops had two big plays on, on that drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Jalil Farouk had a big reception. They got a they got a pass interference penalty to get some more yards. Dylan Gabriel had a scramble, you know, inside the ten yard line to set up the touchdown. But man, that Walter. final play. Don't forget Walter Rouse, man. You no, know, I'm I'm getting to it. that final play. <laughs> when you look at it, Walter Rouse took on two Texas defenders by himself to buy Dylan Gabriel mm-hmm. an extra beat. Towie Walker also is going to go overlooked here. He picked up a blitz from Jalen Ford, preseason Big 12 player, defensive player of the year, bought Dylan Gabriel just enough time. And even though Nick Anderson and Austin Stogner collided into each other at the goal line while running their routes, Nick Anderson found himself wide open for a, a beat. And Dylan Gabriel identified that. He saw the corner clamp down on Austin Stogner and he just delivered a perfect ball and, you know, the rest is history. I mean, that was an unreal drive, an unreal play. The poise by Gabriel to know, obviously he knows he can't take a sack there because a sack is basically game over. He's either got to throw it out of bounds or he's got to throw a touchdown. And he stood in that pocket with it just crumbling around him and he delivered his moment. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and Nick Anderson, I, I wrote about this afterwards when we talked to him. He just like he saw the ball coming to him in slow motion and he just doesn't remember anything that happened after that. He looked down and the ball was in his hands and he looked at the fans and was like, oh, I actually just caught that. Yeah. And he started he said, I just let well, out a yell. And that's that's why he lost his voice when we were. We were talking. He was like, "My voice is messed up because of that." I was just yelling as loud oh, as I could. I didn't know what was going damn on. Damn head off! Uh, <laughs> thing. Yeah, I mean, is there anything more like sports or whatever that the, that was Nick Anderson's only catch of the game? Yeah, <laughs> he hadn't. He's had a great season, you know, after being hurt last year. This is really his first real season of college football. He's had an awesome it. season, but he was kept under wraps in this game. Yeah, until then, until that moment, mm -hmm. and that, uh, yeah, the. There's a million elements to the play, like Tom's articulated, that it all had to work, and it just did. And the throw, I mean, the throw was a dot. The throw was a dot, you know, and he was open, but it's in the end zone. I mean, the angles, I mean, you, you let that get away from you in any one direction, it can kind of get haywire, and it was it was a perfect throw. And, uh, I mean, I'll never forget that. I mean, I'm standing right there in that corner, and, I mean, all the OU fans are right there, and, and Nick Anderson, just when he catches that, turns around and just, yeah, just just screams his head off. Just what a, what a moment. What a moment. And I know Tom alluded to it, but Drake Stoops on that drive was outstanding. And then Jaleel Farouk to mm -hmm. make his play, you know, the long play. He had, what was it, 16 yards? Yeah, 16-yard pass. And then he's the one that got the pass interference called on him. So he was, you know, the guy that fought through that. It was that. Nick Anderson got the pass interference. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah. Well, you have to give Nick Anderson that credit, too. But – just the way the receivers responded as well, because we yeah. talked about before this season how we didn't know what kind of unit they were going to be. I mean, they're they're really the strong suit of this offense, and we we talked about Dylan Gabriel, but the receivers are the the go to factors here. I mean, there's so many so many weapons that that Gabriel has at his disposal whenever he gets drops back in the pocket. Now yeah. we're still waiting to see on what's going on with Andrew Anthony. I'm sure we'll get something on that when we talk to Brent Vittables and the players uh, tonight uh, and see what's going on there, but. So far, I mean, this the receivers group has just been outstanding. Yeah, no, it has been, and uh, yeah, like you said, we'll see what happened with with Andrell. Obviously, there's fear there, but we'll mm -hmm. see. We don't know yet for sure. Um, but the, the crazy thing is, as good as Angel Anthony has been, they can probably sustain an injury there better than any other position because, of, like you just said, James. I mean, Jalil Farouk was phenomenal in this game. Uh, five catches for 130 yards. His yak yards after catch. I mean, just constantly making things happen after he gets the ball in his hands. They also ran with him a few times in this game. This was what, at least I thought, and most people thought that he was going to be coming into the year as that number one guy, just this Swiss Army knife, use him however you want, so good after the catch, returns kicks for you. He has really, the last couple of games, after a slowish start to his season, just taken off. And, man, he's been good, and he was phenomenal in this game. I mean, I don't think it's getting overlooked by any means, but – Outside of Dylan Gabriel, you, you have a hard time finding a more valuable player in this game for Oklahoma than, than Jaleel Farouk. He was mm -hmm. really, really good uh, on Saturday. Just, again, rising to the moment. Team needed him, and he stepped up. Angel Anthony got hurt in this game, like we just said, and he was fantastic. What can you say about Jaleel Farouk? I mean, what, what a performance by him. Mm -hmm. And you talk about, you know, who who's the, the, the top players in this game. That's a good way to segue into the defensive side. I mean, we want to oh, look. I at got it. more offense. I got more offense. Oh, okay. Hold yeah. on. Go, uh, go ahead. Well, go ahead. I'm gonna let you go ahead and, and start. We'll okay. Go ahead, Josh. Well, yeah, don't let me interrupt. Say, there's a few other things. I mean, Austin Stogner um, got a few catches in this game. Obviously, he barely caught anything coming in, and they were all kind of timely, like key moments. Finding him, getting him involved, I thought was huge. And then you know we we touched on it a little bit kind of here and there, but. Offensive line was awesome this game, too, I thought. I thought all five guys along the offensive line 
like had their moments at some point. Like Alter Rouse, like you guys said, on the game winning play, McKay Matoyer had the block, like kind of the key block on Dylan Gabriel's first touchdown mm-hmm. run at the very beginning of the game. Um, they all kind of had their moment. Rain played well. Um, Caden Green had a nice key block, I think, on maybe Tommy Walker's like goal line touchdown. I'm trying to remember when it was, but they all played well. And we'll see how McKay Matoyer's the other guy was hurt. It sounds like he maybe avoided like the worst, not like a season any situation. We'll have to wait and see on that one too. But Bill Beanbow's group coming into the year was kind of like, you know, there's some pieces here, but we'll see how it gels, how it meshes. They're coming together nicely. And um, they had a really good performance against, we talked about it going in, the best defensive line that they're going to face. And they answered the bell uh, for the most part, I thought, in this game really well as well. So, yeah, I mean, offensively overall, it was really, really good. Um, Just kind of at every level. Every position had their bright spots, had their moments, which I think is, uh, you know, what you want to see when your team needs it the most. Anything else for offense, Tom? Yeah, I mean, the offensive line, like, uh, particularly in pass protection. I mean, they mm-hmm. gave up just the one sack. You know, Dylan, Dylan Gabriel had time to operate in there, uh, found guys when he could, took off when he needed to. Um, you know, Walter Rouse and Tyler Guyton, I think, combined, allowed just one pressure on, like, 48 dropbacks. Um, it was it was a good day for the offensive line and pass protection. Run blocking, still Still not great. Dylan Gabriel made a lot happen there. Um, mm-hmm. I think the other thing on offense that you know just really stood out is that red zone efficiency. Oklahoma was in the red zone six times, got points every time, mm-hmm. got four touchdowns. Texas came into the game allowing just one touchdown on 11 red zone trips defensively, and Oklahoma just absolutely dominated that matchup. You know, it started right off the bat with that Dylan Gabriel touchdown run. Tally Walker had, you know, those two short one-yard touchdowns, the game winner at the end capped it, and then just two short field goals from Zach Schmidt. I mean, that that is a win- winning formula for for Oklahoma um, against a defense like that is capitalizing when you get down into scoring position. Like, you have to come away with points. You can't yeah. settle for field goals all the time. And then, you know, you look at it on the flip side, and there's probably a good segue to the defense. Texas was one of three on red zone trips. They had a – Lone field goal and two turnovers. Right. Interception and that goal line stand. And that is right. where it wins the game with the red zone efficiency on offense and the red zone efficiency on defense. And yeah, now they're, right a top 10, they're a top 10 red zone defense in the country right now in terms of teams scoring on them. They're top three in allowing touchdowns or limiting touchdowns, rather. Um, this, this, you know, not enough can be said about how much this team has just been able to turn around situationally. In, in those areas this season, it's 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 why they're where they are right now. Yeah, and it's it's like we said. That's I mean that's pretty much the identity of this team now is the defensive side of the ball. It's been offense for a while, but the defense is kind of the the leading factor in this in this unit. When you know when when OU wins the coin toss and the defense trots onto the field, you feel very comfortable with what they're going to produce. Besides, you know you're thinking okay they're going to score a touchdown and the offense going to have to come out and you know and try to catch up after that. And it's that's not the case now. I mean. When, when they line up out there, when, when we see it, like Danny Stutzman and Jaron Kanicker are signaling, calling, you know, signaling what's going on. They, the guys can see it, and it just it just pivots always to the safeties. And you see guys getting matched up as like as fast as possible and get ready. And they seem to always be in position to make the play they need to make the play of. And I mean that's, I mean that's just outstanding from what. And it can it can tell you that's that's coaching. That's coaching. That's the difference with Brent Venables coming in. That that signals everything that he that we all thought he was going to be in his first year. But now that he has his guys and his 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 right players, it's all working out for him. Yeah. No, um, to piggyback off that, I was struck, and especially, you know, obviously in the game, but going back and watching it back this morning, 
I was struck by how often Oklahoma just had the guys in the right place. Mm-hmm. Um, just sniff, just snuffing, sniffing, snuffing, sniffing plays out, knowing what was coming. They were mm-hmm. so prepared. And obviously that, that obviously that goes back to Brent Venables and his staff, knowing what they were doing. I mean, I can think of a couple of plays, you know, just off the top of my head, you know, the first Ethan Downs sack on Quinn Ewers was kind of like a delayed screenplay. And Jonah Laulu leaked out and took Jonathan Brooks away. He couldn't throw it to Brooks because Laulu saw it. He read the play perfectly. He doesn't get any credit for that play. He didn't do anything in the stat book, but he made it to where he couldn't throw it to Brooks. Ewers had to buy a little extra time. Downs sacked him. You know, the mm-hmm. Rondell Bothroyd play on like kind of the sweep where he just manhandled the guy inside the 10. He just <laughs> saw what the play was doing and let it come to him and made the play. And that – there are dozens more examples of that. Oklahoma's defense is just so much better coached than it was. I mean, that's obvious, but they were so prepared. Obviously, the tackling is so much better than it used to be and, and things like that. They're forcing turnovers. They continue to do that. Three more in this game, two more interceptions, which at the time was the most in college football. I should check if it still is. I think it is. It's, it's certainly up there. It's not it the most. Yeah. But, I mean, they're doing winning football things uh, right now defensively. I think that's the best way to – summarize it. it it's it's really incredible how far it's come in such a short amount of time i don't think even the most optimistic of oku fans or media or whatever probably didn't know it would be like this so quickly um just from last year to this year it's night and day as yeah. i said I, I thought it was going to progress throughout the year i mean I, I i didn't know they would be at this point at this time of the season uh but it, it, they they've done it i mean you know brent was talked about it before the game it was like this is going to be one of the line of scrimmage that's that's where mm-hmm. this game's going to be run at and OU, I think, won both sides of the ball as the offense only gave up one sack and the defense got their season high of five sacks in one game. I mean, it was just a great push that they were giving, you know, on, on all sides of the ball. And that's that's what worked really well for them in this game. Yeah. And, and Brent Venables kind of, you know, mentioned earlier in the week when uh, he was doing his regular press conference to preview this game. But, you know, this Texas offense is it's not an offense where you're just going to cut off the head and be able to stop them i mean they have too many good players too many weapons like they're gonna get theirs i mean texas still had over 500 yards of offense so it's not like oklahoma just completely clamped them but oklahoma played well situationally again the red zone third downs limited them there uh coming up with timely plays on you know the interception on back-to-back drives to open the game forcing a fumble on Quinn Ewers, even though he completed, uh, he had a, comp- a career high completion rate in this game. I think he was, what, 31 of 37 passing, but they still got after him. They did not let him get completely comfortable. A lot of those passes were, you know, snap the ball, make a quick read. And, and you know, was, I, I, I said this in the press box, but I was like, it feels like almost if Oklahoma loses this game, it's going to be death by a thousand paper cuts. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were able to not let him get completely settled back there. Like you said, five sacks, did a good job getting pressure when they could, um, even though they didn't blitz as often as you know I, I thought they might have. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the defense just made plays when they had to, and you know I, I think none bigger than probably the first red zone trip and the last red zone trip of the, of the day for for Texas because that first one, you know Billy Bowman just absolutely lays a hit on a receiver. Yeah. You know, breaks the ball up the up. Pass Kendall yeah. Dolby just capitalizes on the on the deflection, and then I mean that that goal line stand was just incredible. That like that's the stuff of lore. That is, you know, we talked about Dylan Gabriel writing his chapter in you know Red mm-hmm. River rivalry history. Like that is the defense's uh, page right there. Like that goal line stand stopping them four times inside the one one or two yard line. I mean that's incredible. 
Yeah, goal line stand. This was Billy Bowman's best game in an OU uniform. Uh, he was fantastic in this game. Like you mentioned, the the big hit to pop that ball in the air, Kendall Dobie's interception. He had the big hit on the fourth down goal line that you just stand that you just referenced. Finished today with 11 total tackles <laughs> from that safety spot. He was everywhere. He was making things happen. Billy Bowman, really, really good uh, in this game. And when they needed him, I mean, you, you lean on your veteran guys, and he was phenomenal in this game. Yeah. That so goal line stand, I mean, we're we talking about it. I mean, that, that's on our site as well. I just got finished with that. I mean, the guys said, yes, they, they prepared for that. They prepared for, uh, you know, to that situation. But it all came down to willpower. That's that's what the defensive coordinator Ted Roof told us. That's what Peyton Bowen told me. That's what Danny Stessman told us. I mean, Jaron Kennedy, they all got in there. Ethan Downs even said it. It was just willpower. It was just they just did not want Texas to score in that situation. And because they worked so hard at it, it that's what came out of it. Kip Lewis, I mean, came out of nowhere and got his snap his kind. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. first snap of the game gets <laughs> a stop on first down. That's what I was gonna, I was gonna say. You know, Kip yeah. Lewis was kind of the unsung hero of that stand. I mean, redshirt freshman coming in, fourth quarter of a tight game, one possession game. He comes in there for his first, you know, snap of the game, gets a stop on first down. He's in there on, you know, they had kind of a gang tackle on second down that he was a part of, or was it third down? Third down might have been the gang tackle. Either way, he was in there on two plays, only three snaps he played all game. And, I mean, second down with the game tackle, third down when Stutzman blew up Brooks. Yeah, Yeah. second down he he was one of like five guys in there on the game tackle to stop him short of the goal line. Saw McCullough was in there too. Yeah, just a big low key moment for redshirt freshman who you know didn't play many snaps because Danny Stutzman and Jaron Canick did not come off the field in this game. Danny Stutzman played every defensive snap. I think Jaron Canick played all but two. Woody Washington played all but three. I mean, those those are the guys that they were just leaning on um, in, in a game like this. I mean, Oklahoma kind of tightened up the rotation a little bit. I mean, even Peyton Bowen, who made an impact in this game, played mm-hmm. the few snaps Big he had. Yeah, he played only 17 snaps defensively. Um, I, it just felt like Oklahoma wanted to entrust its veterans a little bit more to – to get the job done in, in some tight situations. But, I mean, you had your young guys come in and make some key plays, whether it was Bowen on the fumble, um, Kip Lewis on the goal line, P.J. Adebore on the final play of the game. He was bearing down on Quinn Ewers and got a pressure on that Hail Mary. Um, so shout-out shout to those uh, young guys for, you know, stepping up in, you know, limited opportunities and what was a big, their, you know, really their first big game. And the crazy thing about Kip Lewis is like the knock on him, you know, when he was coming in is that he wasn't as big as he should be. You know, he was a little smaller guy. And he's coming in there when you have your big guys in the your unit to keep keep you away from the one yard line. I mean, he's that guy that, that came in. It was like amazing that the play that he was making. And, and you know, Ted Roof taught, taught us about that as well. It was like, I'm just I'm just happy that he was able to come in and build his body up and even be even bigger than he was. I mean, and he had that opportunity and he prevailed in it. I mean, that's that's a special moment for him, as we talked about. Yeah, I think, well, I mean, one of the things I think was most impressive about that goal line stand is you look at the personnel that Texas had. Like, they had their mm. big boy goal line. Yeah. They had a defensive lineman in there as a fullback. Yeah, they put D-line um, in I, I think Sark said after the game that, like, that's a, you know, that's a, that's a package that has not been stopped yet this season. And for Oklahoma to do it in that situation in the fourth quarter of that game, says a lot about just how far this defense has come in a year's time. The Sooners Illustrated Podcast will be back after this short break. 
Yeah. Um, you know, we said last week we talked about Gentry Williams getting better and better every week. Like you can see it. And he was good again in this game. Interception, fumble recovery. Um, got banged up late and missed some time. And that's where Kendall Dolby came in big toward the end of the game. Key Lawrence played some corner at the end of this game, too. Um, but the same sentiment goes to Jaron Canick, too. I mean, led the team in tackles in this game. And it just feels like he's really rounding into form of kind of what a lot of OE fans thought he could be. And it just, you know, he's really good now, but you kind of project next year and kind of moving forward for Jaron Canick. He's got kind of what Danny Stutzman is to this defense now, Jaron Canick being maybe next, probably next year. Like he just everywhere around the ball, he's getting better so quickly. Um, love the team of tackles in this game. Like I said, had a sack. He, he was, was really their, good. He was their best defender against the run in this game. Yeah. He had like he had like seven stops against the run. I mean, he was he was lights out. I mean, I know there were a couple times where you know Jonathan Brooks just kind of bodied bodied into him and you know kind of kind of dragged him down mm-hmm. after a couple of yards. But I mean, for the most part, he was lights out against the run. Yeah. And I'm just looking at the the, the stat sheet. There's just so many more guys that you could highlight. I mean, DeJon Terry got – he's kind of been somewhat quiet, you know, so far in his first year at OU. Had a big sack early in this game. Made some other first nice plays. First sack studies. of the game. Yeah, first sack of the game. Ethan Downs had two sacks in this game and talked some serious trash afterward, <laughs> too. Can't believe he didn't get flagged on that. But he didn't, I mean, so it's yeah, fine. Yeah. It was just fun and, and cool. Jacob Lacey's sack – in the fourth quarter on on the drive that Texas kicked the go-ahead field goal on. You know, yeah. Texas had first and down at the Oklahoma 35-yard line. That was key. And was Jake Lacey comes in, gets a first down sack, puts Texas behind the chains, takes them off schedule, out of rhythm. Mm-hmm. And he's a big reason why, you know, Oklahoma forced Texas to settle for a field goal there instead of, you know, a potential go-ahead touchdown. Um, yeah, it, Sarkeesian said that. He said yeah, that. It, everything it's just – it's just impressive and kind of remarkable to, you know, see Jacob Lacey come in and make a play like that and have the kind of impact that he has. I mean, I know he's a guy that we haven't talked about as much, but I mean, he even posted it on, on Twitter either after the game Saturday or Sunday morning. But, you know, this summer he, he was in a hospital bed, Dr. Selman, yeah. that he was never going to play again because of blood clots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now look at him. I mean, I, I, I'll say, you know, for me, from things that I had heard, I operated most of the summer under the assumption that Jacob Lacey would not be a part of this team. Um, that was the vibe coming out with that blood clot issue. So, yeah, you're right on it, Tom. I mean, for him to be out there and making things happen is unbelievable. And, yeah, like I said, there are so many guys who had moments in this game. I and mean, Isaiah Coe didn't really fill up the stat sheet. When you go back and look, he was just disrupting things so often. I mean, Texas just couldn't, didn't know what to do with them. Yeah. They didn't know what to do with him. He couldn't. They, they couldn't move him. I mean, he was just there. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a big, big man, and uh, he was making things happen. I mentioned Rondell Bothray briefly. McCullough was really good in this game. Didn't say anything about Woody Washington. He was good in this game. Kind of that reliable force. Nine tackles, uh, sneakily for him. Yeah, I mean, there's just you could point to a million guys on that. Deep. They all kind of had their moment at some point, which is what you need to have to win a game like that. And yeah, there were lapses. Obviously, Texas made that push got the touchdown to tie it and things like that. But for the most part, they're really good. And that goal line stand, I mean, we're going to remember that forever. I mean, first of all, the one, you hold Texas out of the end zone. That is unfathomable for any OU team before this year. I mean, I mean, obviously in recent, you know, not going back to 2000 or something. But in the last decade or so, just in hard to even comprehend Oklahoma pulling something like that off. So 
they've come a long way in a short amount of time. That's for sure. And uh, and you mentioned that 2000 group. I think it's kind of interesting that we asked Brent Venables what, what this defense reminds him of. And he was like, you know what? I think the 99 uh, 2000 team, because of all the misfits that we were, we had no idea what kind of team we could be. And we, we had no idea how good we could be defensively. And that's what he compared it to, which is, well, which the, is crazy. The parallels – are kind of startling. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. Bob Stoops' first year, 99, they weren't very good. Um, he took over and, and, you know, they I think they won maybe seven games his first year. Um, you know, okay, obviously, Brent Venables' first year, they won six games. And 2000, you all know what happened. They won the national title, had a great defense, undefeated. And Oklahoma, obviously, got a long way to go to get to that. Left handed quarterback, too. Lefty, yeah, lefty quarterback. <laughs> um, there are some kind of funny parallels and there's, there's certain players you can kind of connect to like, okay, this guy would be this guy, you know, it is, it is kind of fun to look at things like that. And Oklahoma fans can start to can start to think about stuff like that. And uh, we'll talk about that a little more in just a second, but anything else defensively, like I said, we highlighted a lot of guys because a lot of guys played well. I mean, there's a lot to be excited about here, especially moving forward. Um, we talked about on Thursday, it felt like Oklahoma was going to win this game. They had to get Quinn Ewers to be a little uncomfortable get a pass rush on him and make him force him into some mistakes. And while he did have a, you know, like Tom kind of referenced a, a pretty good end of the day stat line, 31 of 37 for almost 350 in a tutty. He got sacked a, a crap load of times and he got picked off a, a couple of times. Like that is what they needed to do. And they did. He committed three turnovers himself. Yeah. He yeah. yeah right. it, it just felt like, yeah. When you look at the numbers, it felt like he didn't have that good a game. When you, when you look at it, the OU defense was just smothering. You know, 31-37 sounds really, like, phenomenal. You you look at that and you think, man, they, they really didn't win that game when you think of how well your quarterback needs to play. But that defense is what caused it, two, two interceptions and one fumble. I mean, that's that changed their game for you. 100%. So, yeah, this defense has come a long way very, very quickly. It was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, the kicking game continues to be not good. Kicking game is bad, I'd I, I venture to say. The punting was, was rough. They had a punt blocked in this game. And uh, Zach Schmidt missed another key field goal. Um, it just, you know, Zach Schmidt is a fine kicker, but it's just very clear and obvious that you do not want to be relying on him in a big spot. It just He's just proven to be unreliable. And in a year and a half as Oklahoma's primary kicker, he had a big miss in this game that, you know, if Oklahoma lost this game, would have really felt large. The fact that Oklahoma won has helped us forget about it, but had a field goal to put OU up 10. Um, in that fourth quarter, and he missed it horribly, might I add. Um, that was as bad of a miss as I've seen. And uh, it didn't end up costing him. But well, it was online. <laughs> no, it was not. It, it was wasn't? Online. It looked like it was online from where no. I was sitting it. No, it was like 10 yards yeah. short. And it was it, short it was, is what I thought. Yeah. It, it, was it was hard like to tell. Yard. I mean, you can't be that short on like a 40-yard like field goal. Yeah, it was hard to tell from where we were, but I had some people say that the wind kind of picked up a couple minutes before that, it, it, it looked like that ball just died midair. So I don't, I don't know what happened, but yeah, it was not a great kick. It was bad, and the punting was bad. The punting yeah. was worse. Than the, than the, I mean, he made a couple chip shots. The punting was a problem. Yeah, I mean, it felt like an adventure every time they punted. Yeah, Josh Plaster, that first one got blocked and recovered for a touchdown. Mm -hmm. Had another one that went just 25, 26 yards. And on top of that, they had an illegal uh, formation penalty. So Texas got five yards added on top of that. Um, one great Luke Elzinga came in and booted one, I think, pinned him inside the 10 yard line on one of them. So, yeah, I feel like Elzinga probably needs to be the guy, yeah. Um, but but yeah, just spe special teams overall in this one just 
weren't great. I mean, we saw Texas run a fake punt uh, there on that second possession. Yeah, I mean, even though Oklahoma, the first, right? No, the second, the second, because oh, Quinn, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're the second right. pass of the, of the day. Real quick, I forget. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, even though Oklahoma wound up getting a stop on that, it, it still kind of flipped the field position a little bit. Um, and then after the uh, blocked punt ensuing kickoff, Oklahoma runs a little trick play of its own on the return, and Jalil Farouk gets flagged. It gets called back because he tossed the ball forward instead of backward to Jaquez Petway. Um, so that cost Oklahoma close to 30 yards of a field position there. Um, yeah, it just wasn't a great day for the special teams, especially that first six minutes uh, like we discussed. But, I mean, Oklahoma did where it needed to in the other two phases of the game and mm-hmm. came out on top. Mm-hmm. And as, as I, I think I tweeted this out during the game, it was like the defense is playing well enough to win this game. You know, if if it if it's not, it's the the offense has to you know keep up with them because special teams were so bad. I mean, the offense in that second half, like I said, just one score before that game went in drive. Well, they had a field goal as well, so I'll give them two scores. But you know, they just they weren't up to what their their standards they've been this year, and so that's what you were not wanting to see because we talked about it. Texas usually starts slow. And then they get really ramped up in the third and fourth They've quarter. Been really good, yeah. In the exactly, half, and so they were again. Yeah. You didn't want that to be the case, uh, so that's why I was. I even said that because the the offense needed to pick it up because of that. And then you know, Dylan Gabriel did on that last drive. That's what happened. Yeah, I will say too, um, as we're kind of wrapping up the game breakdown, and we'll kind of spin forward a little bit on the way out here. Um, the narrative that like Texas played poorly and Oklahoma played really, really well, and like that's. That is crazy to me because yeah. if not for the pump block, I mean, this game would have been, like I kind of said earlier, teetering on Oklahoma running away. I mean, mm-hmm. the pump block is what kept Texas in it for yeah. a long time. I mean, obviously you can't just take away a, a big play, but, you know, it's a special teams play. It's kind of a, I don't know the right way to put it. It's a little volatile, you know, something you can really bank on. And, you know, Oklahoma for a stretch in this game was dominant, was dominant. Texas couldn't move the ball. Whenever they got that fumble, Oklahoma's up 27-17. They dropped the turnover. It felt like at that point, like, they might run away and win this by three or four scores. Mm-hmm. Now, give Texas all the credit in the world. They're really good. But I'm just saying that the it was a really competitive, high-level played game. I don't, I don't understand that there's a little bit of a thought. I haven't seen it too much, but there's been a little bit of a thought of, like, I was gonna say, Texas I, I, played really poorly. If Texas just played better, you know, like, if they played again this weekend, Texas would still be a favorite on a neutral field, which I get that, but also, like, they just played on neutral field in, in Oklahoma beat them. So it's kind of a – it's one of those weird situations. But Josh, I mean, you, you, kind of, you kind of went at it before the game even happened. You were like – a lot of people are saying, like, Texas is like this unbeatable force, and they're just not. And, and you were, right, you were saying not, that. Yeah. So I'll give you all credit for that. We all thought this game would be close no matter what. And so when, mm-hmm. when it got to that point, it was like, oh, you wow, they could actually win by two or three scores. It's like that's a really good sign for the Sooners. That's yeah, I was gonna say. I, I mean, I I haven't really seen anybody say that you know Texas gave this game away. Um, you know, I'm sure there's some Texas fans that are saying that because you know that's what fans do. Um, sure, right. But I, th- I I think the the overall takeaway kind of on the national level is that these are two very good teams, and Oklahoma went out and won this game. Like Oklahoma, you know. Delivered. I mean, it 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 went out, and as Brent Venables said, these guys took their pride back. You know mm-hmm. that 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 forty nine nothing loss last year was, you know, Venable. The word Venables used an embarrassment. 
And it yeah. was. And these guys were reminded about it every day during off-season workouts. They would come in. Jerry Schmidt would have them do 49 medicine ball push-ups. Or sit-ups, rather. Yeah. 49 medicine ball sit-ups. Last year, it was just 25 every day, every day they came in. So, obviously, you know, doubling that and 49 is a very obvious number. Um, and it was just kind of seared into their brains that, hey, if you want to, you know, exercise those demons, you need to get tougher. You need to get better. You need to have the mindset to come in every day to improve. And that is what this team has done. I mean, Andrew Rame said it himself. They had this circled on the calendar. Like, look, they they do the one game at a time mentality, you know, go one and zero every week. But this game has been circled on the calendar for 364 days. Yep. And yep. they went out and it was a fist fight. It was a heavyweight fight. And it was Dylan Gabriel who delivered the knockout blow. I'm waiting for somebody to put like the Jaden Gibson uh, post-game Iowa, Iowa State interview and, and put that together with this game. I mean, he was – he was he was a guy. He was like the motivational speaker of what was about to happen. He was like everybody in my locker room knows what's up. That's that's his mm -hmm. words. I mean, he was he was amped up. He was ready. They knew how yeah. serious this was to come back and get their get back, and they took the golden hat back. They took it back out and they're taking it back and is taking it home now. So yeah. yeah, and most importantly for Oklahoma now, they got their pride, they got their golden hat, and now they have everything that they could possibly wanted to set out to do still in front of them. Sure. Driver's seat in the Big 12, 3-0. The only other undefeated team right now is West Virginia at 2-0, which that, that, that team's been a surprise to everybody considering they were picked last and uh, Neil Brown probably rightfully pounding his chest a little bit after that. But Oklahoma, 6-0 at the midway point, 3-0 in conference play, mm. controls you know the Big 12 right now, firmly has its foot in the college football playoff discussion. They and control their own destiny. I mean – yeah, like you like well, the they, they um, on this. I mean, well, not a lot of times it's not that like outside. Well, track, play. Oh, I'm saying, well, yeah, by, by definition, destiny is uncontrollable. Um, so <laughs> well, that's the saying. That's yeah, the saying. I know. You, I know. you gotta you gotta knives with the ball type of what, what did you what is your saying, Tom? Long ball butcher knives. Oh, yeah. So I, it's I, a I, saying, man. That's that's less common than what I just said. Last thing I had in this game, and then I do want to kind of finish by projecting forward. Um what a moment for Brent Venables. I mean, it goes without saying, but, you know, the way it kind of was described to me, and this was before the game, the way it was described to me by a team source was kind of like the, the team meeting the Friday night before the game, they always have like a team meeting and they get kind of fired up and they do kind of a last like motivational speech type thing. Um, it was basically like we've been building toward this game for 18 months, essentially, since Venables got hired. Since Lincoln Riley left, since Brent Venables was hired, this was essentially – and Oklahoma's been the butt of a lot of jokes uh, since then. And last year was rough. Brent Venables had his, uh, you know, basically his reputation kind of, tar you know, I don't know if tarnished is not the right word, but he was, you know, he took a lot of criticism last year. A lot. Oklahoma, he takes over. Then he goes six and seven. They're terrible in close games. Lost a bunch of games they shouldn't have lost. And they had to deal with that, you know, for a long time. And then this year, they're off to this great start. But nobody's given them any credit for it because they have had an easy schedule. And basically, the players went in with the mindset of everybody thinks that you're not any good, <laughs> that this program is not going the right direction, that Lincoln Riley left you for dead. Um, and that's the way that they played. And so you could just tell you guys were in there too in post game. Brent Venables, just how much it meant to him. It was very obvious. You know, it, it felt like the players up there, and Dylan Gabriel did get choked up a little bit, kind of talking about back home. It felt like all the players were like on the cusp of almost the emotion taking them over because it was just 
such hard work uh, to get to this point. It, they put a lot into that, and it's a good thing that the bye week is this week because they need probably a minute to kind of breathe after everything that went into that. But what I'm on for Brent Venables, I mean, you guys have seen the last couple of days. I mean, he is getting just accolades and praise showered upon him, and rightfully so because he played obviously incredibly well, and or his team played incredibly well, and um, he deserves all the credit in the world for building this program up and getting them to where they feel like they need to be to compete at the highest level. So I wanted to give him his credit. And that's already helped a lot. And, you know, we're a recruiting outlet. I mean, that's we've seen it already. A couple guys are getting crystal ball to head to OU now with what that game meant to, you know, just those guys. They saw that and saw the kind of performance that Brent Venable was able to put on that defensive side. I mean, the guys that we're seeing getting crystal ball on the defensive side, and they they liked it. I, mean, I even heard there's a couple flips may happen. I mean, just, just from some sources. Just be ready for that just in case because – Guys are watching. They are watching what Coach Venables is doing with this team, and especially on the defensive side. They they want to be a part of that. They want to be a part of a, a unit that knows exactly what they're supposed to do. They're, they have guys that are able to do it, and they're always in the right position, and that's that's helped out so far. Yeah. Last thing before we get out of here. It was a heck of a game, obviously, all-timer. Like Tom kind of alluded to, everything is now in front of this team. They moved up to number five in the AP poll, which doesn't mean anything. But they moved to number five. They're six and zero. Oh. They're going to be heavy favorites in every game the rest of the way that they play uh, in the regular season. Uh, so we'll see what happens in a Big Twelve Championship potential rematch with these Texas team if we get there. Let's talk. Let, let's get wide eyed for a second on the way out here. How far can this team go? Can they start to think, Natty? Is that reasonable? Um, certainly, the Big Twelve Championship is reasonable now. Playoff is is they kind of go hand in hand. You win the Big Twelve, you're in the playoff conversation. How far can this team go in your guys' mind now moving forward? Because obviously coming into the year, the expectations were what? You know, win 10 games, get to the baseball championship game, maybe win it. You know, we'll see where the ships fall. Those expectations have now been reset after this last weekend. The hope now is obviously to run the table and get to the playoff and then see what you can do when you get there. Nobody in college football has looked that scary, that daunting. Obviously, Michigan has crushed everyone they've played, but they haven't played a soul yet. Um, Penn State's looked good. You know, Georgia's always going to be Georgia. But there's not – you know, there was a lot of people that thought Texas was the best team before this last weekend. So how far can this team go? Are they capable of winning the whole thing? Are you saying pump the brakes? Where are you kind of at temperature check on what the expectations are now moving forward? I think this team will make it to Arlington. I mean, I, I think we all kind of thought it's that they – a lot not to. Yeah, I think we all kind of thought going into the season that they had a good chance to make it to Arlington to begin with. Um, but right now the expectation should be Arlington or bust. Um, and they have a chance to, you know, just looking at how the schedule plays out, they have a chance to go into that game 12 and 0. Um, you know, Kansas, the only other currently ranked team on their schedule, and they just crept back in at number 24 uh, yesterday. Uh, so th that game will be interesting because it's in Lawrence. We'll see if Kansas, you know, has Jalen Daniels healthy at that point. Um, Bedlam. Could be interesting just because it's always interesting and it seems like Oklahoma State's starting to get its footing a little bit. And we saw they just kind of took it to Kansas State this past weekend. But I mean, th this is a team that should make it to Arlington. And, you know, it, it's hard to look past the Big 12 championship right now about what could happen then because, you know, we saw them go toe to toe with this Texas team. These are two very comparable teams. They're both probably two of the top five teams in the country right now, even though I know Texas dropped. 
but these are two very good teams. Oklahoma got the best of them in round one. I want to see the chess match of round two. Like I that that game is going would be so compelling, um, and also just very fitting for these two teams to play again in their final Big Twelve season on the way out. Just make things completely awkward for Brett Yormark. Um, and look, I don't think that Oklahoma within that within those walls, I don't think they're going to get wide eyed and start thinking about you know college football playoff or anything like that. Um, you know, this game was personal to them, but they've still you know, maintain that one and no mentality, you know, focus on the task at hand each week. Um, and I think Brent Venables and those guys are going to be on them about maintaining that through these next six weeks. But man, if they make it to Arlington at 12 and 0 and keep playing the way that they have, even if they lose a, a, a tight rematch with Texas, you know, it, it depends on, you know, They'd have an argument, yeah. yeah it, it depends on how everything else shakes out at the national level. Sure. Because like you said, you still have a bunch of undefeated teams. You have some good teams in the Pac-12, some good teams in the in the Big Ten in particular. Um, they'd have an argument. Like you said, they, they will be in the discussion till the end, um, even if they were to not win the Big 12 championship, just depending on how everything plays out. But, yeah, like you said, the, the expectations for this season have been reset. We're midway through, and, mm -hmm. you know, they're playing like one of the best teams in the country right now. Well, I mean, my bold prediction, I already had them winning the Big 12 championship uh, before I saw this team. And so I, I feel like, yes, Josh asked if they could win it. They could win it all. Yes, I think they could. They, 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 of course, they have the talent. They have the, the structure to do it. It's just a matter of, of letting that happen now. Uh, this team is is very good defensively. And as we know, the saying is defense wins championships. I know OU's been trying to do it in a different way the last couple of years, but that defense is good enough to to win it all. I mean, it, it's that's the case. It's just, can guys stay healthy? I mean, it, can all the, the chips fall their way? And just, can, can they control everything they need to control and, and get to that point? Now, it's saying a lot. I think a playoff, just getting a playoff win would be outstanding, and that would I've be a lot for them. Yeah. They've never done that, to get them into the SEC next year where they'll really have their footing. But, they, yeah, they have a chance to win it all, that's for sure. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I, also, I don't think anybody's going to say they definitively are. That's that's really hard. I wouldn't say that about anybody, but mm -hmm. they they could. I mean, they, it's crazy to say. I really I think that they could because the best way to, to describe it for me is just: is there a single team in America that you, at least at this point, you would say that they definitely no way they could beat them? There's not really that team doesn't really exist um, with the way that they've been playing, especially on the defensive side. Like I said, there was a lot of people who thought Texas might be the best team in college football. And, Oklahoma just beat them. Now, it took a lot. It was a crazy game. Certainly could have won either way, but they beat them. They played them on a neutral field, and they beat them. So, and yeah, with it's going to be fun to watch. With the way things are going to shake up, you you got to think of what their resume is going to be, and they're going to be favoring all these games. If they were to beat Texas in the Big 12 championship, like like I've, like I've said, I mean, they're not going to be a three or four seed like they've been in the past as well. I mean, sure. they're, they're one or two in that situation with that on their resume. I mean, that would be an outstanding – a position for OU to be in, which makes it easier, like we said, to to win it all because you're on the upside. You have the the the, the advantage there in the situation. Yeah, the only time they made it and they weren't a three or four, like you're saying, was in 2017. They played Georgia in the Rose Bowl. Oklahoma was technically the two mm -hmm. in that game, and uh, that was obviously the closest Oklahoma ever got. They should have won that game, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. Oklahoma fans remember that really well. They don't, I don't need to bring that up. The squib um, kick, man. 
Squib kick. And I, the, <laughs> I tell you what, the playoff is back in the Rose Bowl. I mean, who's to say Oklahoma and Georgia couldn't mix it up again in the Rose mm-hmm. Bowl this year? And we'll see. We got a long way to go, but you can start to get greedy now. And I think every OU fan was kind of waiting for this game to kind of see, okay, where are we at actually? And now you did what you just did. And now you can start to be like, okay, we can start to really think like big. So it's going to be fun. Any last things, Tom? What a game. <laughs> what a game. He just shook his head for those that listened to the podcast. Tom was, Tom was involved. It was an all timer. We thank you so much for hanging out with us. Um, again, we were all wrong, but we're fine with it. We're, we took our, we took our mm-hmm. lumps and we're good with it. It's going to be a really fun second half of the season. Uh, we're going to enjoy the bye week, chance to kind of catch our breath for a minute. Um, but then we'll hit the second half of the season hard, excited for it. So we'll be back on Thursday, as always. Mm-hmm. Tom Penny will join the show. We'll do some recruiting talk. And then we'll also look ahead, I think, to the second half of the season a little bit and do some uh, kind of mid-season, kind of mid-season resetting on things, I guess. Kind of maybe revisit some preseason things and look ahead to the second half. It won't be a real long show, but we'll do some recruiting news and things like that. Look ahead to the second half. And then obviously next Monday, we'll be back at it, getting you ready for Oklahoma and UCF. Uh, they're back in Norman, which we just found out before we record is 11 a.m. kick in Norman next Saturday. So back on the uh, the early side of things again. And uh, going to be a fun second half of the season. We thank you so much for tuning in. As always, be sure to subscribe. Real, real quick, yeah, like you're saying. Yeah, just because we're in the bye week, the content's not going to stop oh, here. Not this even close. Yeah. We're all here. Yeah, yeah we got, I, I do want to thank. That's, it kind of made me think of it. I do want to thank everybody. The site went berserk this weekend. Far and away our biggest weekends as soon as Illustrated took over. Obviously, the team. We have the team to thank partially for that. But I want to thank uh, everybody who – just checked out the site. Maybe a lot of people probably the first time we got a bunch of new subscribers this weekend too. Mm-hmm. But thank you to all those people. That, that's awesome. And uh, hopefully people enjoy what they see and we'll be along for the second half of the season. We're still running our promo. Tom, you happen to have 60% off, 60% off right now. No better time. This looks like a potential, certainly a playoff and natty potential level team. So come aboard, be a part of, be a VIP subscriber and hang out with us throughout the back half of this season. It's going to be a lot of fun. We also have hoops starting soon, things like that. So it's going to be a fun time here and through the rest of October and into November. So Oklahoma.247sports.com. The YouTube channel also had a big weekend. Picked up a bunch of subscribers there as well. So be sure to do that if uh, you're listening to the podcast right now, not watching on YouTube. Check out the YouTube channel. Subscribe. Play interviews. Uh, highlights in uh, on the shorts and stuff like that. Lots of good stuff there on the YouTube channel. Also the podcast. Recruiting stuff. Uh, lives there as well. So that's it for now. We'll be back on Thursday for Tom Green, James D. Jackson. I'm Josh Calloway. Thank you so much for watching and listening. As always, we'll see you back here on Thursday on the Sooners Illustrated podcast. See you.